0: This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. My guest is Chantal George, the founder of Sisters in Sales, the largest global organization for women of color in sales. She founded Sisters in Sales out of a determination to promote, support, and encourage women of color in sales across all industries. Sisters in Sales partners with Fortune 500 companies, tech startups, and consulting businesses to help them attract, hire, and retain women of color sales professionals. SIS also provides world-class training, networking opportunities, and above all else, sisterhood for this underrepresented community. In this episode, we'll discuss how to grow a business using sponsorship, sales tactics to connect with and sell a concept to corporate leaders in order for them to fund it. Chantal? Welcome to the WTF Podcast. Thank you. So great to be here. You're the first person I'm having on the podcast to talk about sponsorship as a form of funding, but it's a well-known form of funding. So I'm happy to have you on to talk a little bit about how to use sponsorship and how others who are thinking of going the sponsorship route can get the knowledge, the tactics that they need to pursue sponsorship as a funding mechanism. Before we get into that, tell me a little bit about your background and why you started SIS.
1: Sure, thank you for the question. And like you said, yes, corporate sponsorship is a very big driver and I'm happy to discuss it. The why is, it's a good why. It dates back from my childhood, I would say, in terms of why I started the organization. I'm first generation American. And when my parents came to this country, they immediately looked for communities where they could find remnants of their culture.
0: Where did your parents come from?
1: My father is from Dominica and my mother from Jamaica. Oh, another Yachty. Okay. Yes. I'm Jamaican myself. Yes, yes. Uh, Well, you know, hardworking people, when they came here, they, like many others, sought community to make their lives easier and give them some nostalgia and cure some homesickness. And so I watched the way that community served as a mechanism for resources and comfort and support. And then when I started my own journey into figuring out what I wanted to do professionally and trying to navigate corporate America and try to navigate a sales role, I realized that that same community technology, if you will, was something that I needed for myself because I was going into a foreign place. I didn't know how to navigate these industries and I didn't also know some of the unspoken rules. So that's why I built the organization to serve as a community as a service organization for myself. And I found out that it could help thousands of women around the world who are also in sales and needed support and guidance.
0: You've been able to grow the event significantly through corporate sponsorship. How do you know if you have an idea that corporations would be interested in funding?
1: Well, I think I would say we know we have an idea because we've made it this far. But I think for your listeners, the way how you know if you have something that's viable is if what you're offering aligns with the corporation's pillars or their broader corporate goals. In the wake of Eric Garner and a few other major tragedies that happened in 2020 and 2021, a lot of companies created pledges to help Black people and to help African-American people rebuild and to provide opportunities for them to succeed. So there was an interesting alignment. At the time, I had already been operational for about three years, and there was an interesting alignment between what I'm building and their new established goals. So in that intersection is where you will usually find corporate sponsorship.
0: For those who might not be as familiar about how corporate sponsorship works, what should they know when they're approaching corporate sponsorship? If there were a playbook, what might it look like?
1: You know, I would build your business with your core audience in mind. Like your idea is to serve your core audience. And, you know, I did not intend for the majority of the business to be funded by corporations. I wanted the business to really thrive because I was offering a viable solution to the core community, which are Black and brown women in sales. What I found was that we were so closely aligned with these corporate goals that they wanted to continue to pour resources into us. If you're starting a business, I just think that it will be genuine and authentic if you build a business with your core person in mind, your core audience member in mind. As your creation continues to expand and you need corporate sponsorship to get to the next level, then I'd start approaching them by reading up on them first. So going to their earnings reports, reading about what they care about, reading about what their CEO cares about, reading about what their investors may care about. And from all of those nuggets, putting together a really well-informed outreach email and saying something along the lines of, I'm building, let's say, the first community for candle makers. And it looks like based upon the podcast I heard your CEO speak on, this is an important next wave for you. I'd love to show you how aligning with my business can help you achieve your goals.
0: What kind of company would you be looking for? Let's say, just go with the example of a candle maker. Are you looking at a company that does consumer goods? Where are you going with this? And can you be more creative? Because sometimes I find that I'll see certain brand alignments and I'm like, hmm, I didn't think those two things went together. So how do you know? Like, how do you know to, well, look within what you think is your niche, but also some unexpected connections and alignments?
1: Yeah, you think about the person that you are both serving The your company, the candle making company, and the corporation? Are you serving the same person? Because when you identify that, that's when all the creativity opens up. For example, another unexpected alignment was Peloton and a hotel chain together. Like Peloton is a high-end bike. This hotel chain serves high-end customers. There's a match made in heaven there. Or Rent the runway had a collaboration with the hotel brand as well because they serve the same customer. To your point, yes, a natural fit could be, you know, a CPG company if you were a candle maker. Or if your candle making business perhaps is using sustainable items, then any company that cares about sustainability would be a nice fit too. It just depends on who are you serving and who else is serving that customer. And then together you can create a partnership.
0: Well, I know research is a key part of just about any funding strategy. You have to research who you're approaching. What advice would you give to people who are considering going the sponsorship route in terms of doing their research? How do they find the person on the inside? Who is the right person that they should be reaching out to? You did give an example of sort of how to construct maybe a pitch email but what else do they need to know how to do as a part of this research and outreach process?
1: Well, I would say that depending on the size of the company, there will most likely be someone's job to receive your proposals. So I but would I'm say- But I'm we- the
0: outside. I don't know anything about this company who works there. I'm just doing my research, trying to find some people who might be interested. How do I find the person in that department For that company who's responsible (laughs) for receiving my email.
1: Yeah, I'm going to explain. So when you go on LinkedIn, so first start with, with getting on LinkedIn, because that's where you get all of the mapping required to navigate any company. There are roles that support this work. And usually those roles are depending on what you're doing. Let's say it's a sustainability candle making business. Corporate social responsibility would be the first department that I would go to because they are tasked with identifying ways that the corporation can come across more socially responsible, partnering with mission-driven organizations, minority-based organizations and the like. They are quite literally tasked to hear you out. That would be step one. Step two is having a really great brand deck that explains clearly what you're trying to solve who has been involved with this in the past. And if you haven't accomplished a big milestone yet with like a big partnership, and then it's all about you. It's all about who you are and why someone should care or invest in you. And maybe those slides should be two to three slides of all the things that you have done personally to push this mission forward. You know, when I started SIS, I didn't have logos to show and past experiences to lean on. All I could do is talk about my dream and why I thought this was important enough and why I thought that you should listen to me. I have these specific experiences. I know I'm not the only one to have these experiences. You know, hear me out and let's take one mini step in the right direction. And, you know, I have been working with corporate sponsorships for five years. Some partnerships grow over time. Don't be dismissed if the first and only thing they can do for you right now is is not what you expected. Just continue to service that partner and the the investment will grow. We are lucky that we have had partnerships and sponsorships from some of the largest companies in the world since the first year, but they didn't start out with even cash. Some of those partnerships just started out with volunteerism. So not everything needs to be capital per se. Sometimes it can just be human capital investment and that's okay.
0: I'm speaking with Chantal George, the founder of Sisters in Sales, the largest global organization of women of color in sales. I think you just made a great point, Chantal, about not always expecting cash capital, but the importance of human capital that they might not be able to give you money right away. But there are other things Mm -hmm. or credits that you can get that can help your business in lieu of cash. As you continue to develop that relationship, have you had an experience where you've pitched a corporation on your idea and it seemed like you had an alignment, but all of a sudden they're suggesting some things that might be adrift away from your original vision or not in full alignment? And if and when that happens, what's a good way to address that while maintaining the relationship?
1: Yes. So sometimes you have to analyze how big is the misalignment because there is going to be, you know, I'm sure companies are going to try to push for what serves them. And as a smaller business in that negotiation, there will be some risk you absorb if you go with them. And some of that risk you can handle, some of that risk you can't identify the the significance of you going with their direction and whether or not it's worth Jeopardizing the relationship. I've had, you know, I'm running an organization for black and brown women in sales. Allies want to speak on our panel, identify whether or not having a white male ally on our panel is going to derail the entire organization or add value. I make those decisions on a case by case basis, not just with allies, but just in general. So I feel like it's, it really just depends on how established your brand is, and if this addition is going to completely change everything that you've been working so hard to accomplish. If it's not, if it's going to add value, then I make that decision based upon what's presented to me. But ultimately, it depends.
0: You've been doing this for five years now. Is part of what you provide to your members sort of this guidance and this playbook? Tell me a little bit more about what it means to be a member of CIS.
1: Yes, great question. So first, you are welcomed into a community. We have chapters all over the world. We just launched in Accra Ghana uh in June. We were in Atlanta in July and have been in San Francisco, DC. And so these women we have been fostering in person connections. Of course, with the pandemic, it's been, you know, digital, but ultimately When you enter that Slack community, there's usually a woman who can answer pretty much any question that you have. So answers, I would say, is the number one value add. The second would be the summit itself. So it's the largest gathering of black and brown women in professional sales together in one place. In this case, it'll be three days of content about financial literacy understanding how to use your commissions and bonuses to the best of its ability. The second day is about building that sales acumen. So sales acumen is active listening, objection handling research. And then the third day is about accountability and taking care of your personal health uh, and mental health and physical health. So we're looking to develop an all-inclusive experience for the black and brown woman in sales which you also get from becoming a member. So I would say it's those two things. It's what we can provide for you year round, in addition to what we'll be doing for you every September around the 21st or the 23rd, usually.
0: Is there a fee for being a member of SIS?
1: We have zero fee for the zero to five years, a small fee from the five to 10, $49 a year, and then a slightly more increased fee for the professional saleswoman, which is $99 a year.
0: For women in sales who might be listening to this podcast, what would you like to tell them for them to consider also becoming a part of this community that SIS has created?
1: I would say that we have such a unique career path as women. There are milestones that we have to deal with that men may not have to deal with. There are trade-offs that we have to deal with that are unique to us. There is prejudice and stereotypes that happen also, especially being a black woman in corporate America period, add on sales to it. There's so many stressors that come out of this job and it is uniquely, it also is difficult if you like it, you know, knowing that all those things come with doing the job, but you like it. It's almost like knowing that you could, you know, be wounded in, in the military, but you like it. Like And my pledge to them is we're going to support you through it. It's a tough job. It comes with a ton of rejection. Plus, you have a lot going on in your own personal life. But this is the most support you'll probably find right now to help you through that. And we'd love to be there for you.
0: Can you tell me about some of the accomplishments of some of your members, like some notable ones?
1: Oh, I mean, in terms of
0: transformations, you know, uh, like, oh, there, give, me a, I, give me a testimonial
1: role. Oh, there are so many, but I would say it was really beautiful to see a woman in the organization who has been a member for years come to the last summit. She worked in banking at Bank of America and got a job at TikTok. And the beauty of seeing transformation, not just with these women becoming more confident and assertive, but transforming into working in different industries, And we see that so many times. I mean, the majority of our company is supported by technology brands because they're the ones that are progressive. They're the ones that are getting in the weeds and they understand scale. So they understand the importance of partnership. And so I have been able to transition so many people from non-traditional backgrounds or from legacy companies to technology companies. And that has been extremely rewarding.
0: I think that's an interesting piece of it and potentially an interesting hook for potential members for SIS because there might be some women in sales who, though they might, they love sales, but they might be in one of these more traditional positions and might be considering a move. Sometimes it's, well, oftentimes it's hard to, to switch industries, it might seem, Right, Sales is sales and you can do it across different sort of organizations, but you might never have considered a tech company because you're like, well, I'm a non-tech person. Supporting women in sales to see how the skills that they have could also be great in a technical position could also be quite valuable because I know there are lots of women who are thinking of pivoting and doing something different, but sometimes it's hard for us to really see where we can go with the skills that we have. So that could also be a great selling point.
1: It is. And plus technology companies, due to them being formed in the past 15 to 20 years, culturally are also progressive. So it just fits in with where your life may be wanting to go. You know, we interviewed a woman from Salesforce who spoke of wanting to have flexibility to take her son all over the world while still working. You know, there are companies that maybe that have been around for 100 years or 75 years that may not agree with that philosophy. And that's a huge lifestyle change, you know? So I think that's also what we're connecting the dots with. Companies that are socially conscious, that are acknowledging the importance of flexibility, especially for women.
0: So before we conclude, tell us a bit more about your sponsors. Yes,
1: we have 20 sponsors for the Sisters in Sales 5th Annual Summit. And our largest supporters are Google, Walmart, Connect, and then the third one, which is now slipping my mind, Amazon. That one actually is recent. and So So these
0: are some big names, right? Mm -hmm. And someone listening might be thinking like, How do I get these big name companies to sponsor my event?
1: Hard work. I mean, you know, we have been partnering with Google for five years and have been providing insights and also listening to their needs. And now, you know, we've gotten to this point. So some partnerships are long term. Some just identify your value. You know, Walmart and Amazon are one of them, uh, or two of them, I should say. They identified the value, and they were like, "We want this, and it's serendipitous. We have to hire. We want to grow." So, I would say, patience. Our our first ever event, there was zero sponsorship. I invested to create it. You know, most people
0: say, "Well, they say you have to give God something to bless, right?" yeah, exactly. You know, It's going to take time. And with
1: companies of this size, they want to see consistency. So just because you didn't get it year three, don't give up because you might get it year seven because you've been so consistent. Some of these brands need to see you in market for a longer period of time for them to be comfortable, which is
0: fair. Sometimes the no is not a definite no. It's just uh, not right now. Build and grow and establish yourself a little bit more and come back
1: and hold your partners close. The ones that are saying yes to you, don't neglect them. Those are the ones that are going to be patient with you and will understand what you're trying to build.
0: What is one final piece of advice that you would like to leave the listeners with to cement, expand, amplify their understanding of corporate sponsorship as a funding mechanism when you're trying to grow a business?
1: Well, first it's very applicable, clearly, right? So like corporate sponsorship is one very viable way to go. The next thing I would say is just because you can speak passionately about your business to a corporation doesn't mean you shouldn't get support. Get a business coach or a pitch coach, you know, invest in someone that can help you explain your message clearly, because when you're starting out You are the business, just you. You don't have any customers yet. You don't have any corporate sponsorship yet. So it all boils down to how well you can convince this person to take a shot on you. So don't skimp on that.
0: You are the business. That's right. When you're building, sell you first. Sell your ability to deliver on what it is that you are building so that they can buy in to their belief in you and your ability to deliver and then It goes up from there. Chantal, thanks for stopping by the WTF podcast. And to my listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, leave a rating, a review, download, or share this episode so it can get in the ears of more listeners. Join me next Friday for a new episode on the Alive Podcast Network and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and more to get notified when new episodes drop. To be a guest or sponsor the podcast, Send an email to where's the funding at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at where's the funding underscore podcast and follow me, your host, Michelle J. McKenzie on LinkedIn. Join me next Friday for another episode.